Aloha. This is Abe's Ukulele Podcast. I'm Abe. This is the podcast for teachers and players of the ukulele that want to get better at teaching and playing. In today's episode, I sat down with Gerald Ross at the Ashokan Ukulele Festival at the end of May. If you're new to the show and haven't heard my music, we should rectify that. Head on over to ukuleleabe.com. That's my main thing, after all. This show is supported and made possible by listeners like you. Your support helps fund the promotion, production, and creation of the show. If you'd like to chip in and get some sweet extras, check out the show notes. We have some new supporters for the show, Jessica S. and Rachel L. Thank you so much. Both of you are amazing, and I cannot thank you enough. You are fantastic. If you aren't in a place to give right now, I totally understand, but you still want to help and uh, help the show out, check out the Radio Public app. It's completely free, and you don't need to create an account. When you listen to this show through the app, you help earn money for the show. It also has this great feature called Hear Marks that lets you save and return to specific moments in podcast episodes. That's really great for listening to inspiring things you hear over and over again. Check out the show notes for a link to that. And now, on to the show. Gerald Ross is one of the finest instrumentalists on the scene today. Whether he's playing the guitar, the ukulele, or the Hawaiian steel guitar, his music expresses a sense of rhythm and melody that is rare in contemporary music. He's performed with many incredible artists, including Bonnie Raitt, and you might know him from the award-winning documentary The Mighty Uke. Today, Gerald is one of America's best-known performers, entertainers, and advocates for the ukulele. He's released seven solo CDs, published instructional materials, and is very much in demand as a music festival instructor in the United States and abroad. A quick audio note, this episode was recorded outside in a working camp, and so there are many extra sounds beyond just our two voices. I think it adds a certain charm that I hope you'll enjoy. All right. Here we go. So I'm here at the Ashokan Center for the Ashokan Ukfest, and I'm sitting down right now with Gerald Ross, the fest organizer. Thanks yes. for sitting down with me. Well, thank you. This is one of my a few moments a day when I'm not walking around and doing festival administrative things. So mm. I'm happy to be sitting down with you right now. <laughs> Sounds fun. The tedious... Um, oh, it's terrible! It's such it's such a chore these ukulele festivals. <laughs> <laughs> so much ukulele. Uh, so, how did this thing get started, and why is it almost in the middle of nowhere? Well, uh, the Ashokan Center has been hosting musical camps, musical events, musical concerts, et cetera, et cetera, music and dance for forty years now. Hmm. Uh, I was invited. To the Ashokan Western and Swing Week, which is a, an entire week camp that takes place in June, towards the end of June. I was invited probably in 2008 or 2009 to teach ukulele and teach, in addition to that, teach steel guitar. I also play lap steel guitar. Mm. So Jay and Molly contacted me. I didn't know anyone here. So mm -hmm. I, I came here and I fell in love with the place, mm -hmm. just the whole feeling of Ashokan. Uh, set here in the Catskills with mm -hmm. the trees and everyone. 
the thing that's nice, this is a retreat. Mm-hmm. People come here, yeah, the, it's it's the middle of nowhere, sort of. <laughs> We're near the interstate, but it, it's uh, it's the middle of nowhere. People come here to get away, and that's one of the things I like about this festival is that you can you can shut things off. You could pretend I'm going to the woods for the weekend, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have... I'm going to feed my soul. I'm going to relax. I'm going to listen to music. I'm going to be with my friends. Mm -hmm. And so there's a reason it's in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. If this was held on 43rd Street in Manhattan and you lived on 44th Street, it wouldn't wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same. You're right. So to paint a picture for the listener, we are sitting on the porch of the main cafeteria hall and all around us is just trees. You can probably hear the birds and uh, the wind rustling through the trees. Just over yonder is the Ashokan Reservoir, mm-hmm. which is a giant reservoir. <laughs> yeah, that, that reservoir, that supplies a big percentage of the drinking water for New York City. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, a, it's an important reservoir. All, all the pizza makers in New York, they say, it's the water. That's why New York pizza tastes the way it does. It's mm. the water and the dough. Well, it's it's a shokin water mm, that they're talking nice. about. Awesome. So, speaking of ook, you've got an ook in your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you teaching during this camp? What I'm teaching is, uh, I am teaching a because I'm the coordinator. I'm only teaching one workshop each, oh, okay. each day. I teach one hour of workshop. The rest mm-hmm. of the time, I'm doing administrative stuff. Uh, when I go to other camps, I'll have a full teaching schedule, but mm-hmm. not here. Uh, the one class I'm teaching is called. You don't need to learn all those chords. You don't. You don't. <laughs> and the class, the idea of the class is if you go to a music store and you see those books that look like the New York City phone directory, mm-hmm. they're 12 inches thick, and the name of the book is 800,000 Guitar Chords or 6,000 Different <laughs> Ukulele Chords. That you have to know. You have to know those. <laughs> and, and you don't have to know those chords. Mm-hmm. And and those those type of books scare people away. You know, they mm-hmm. go, okay, 50,000 guitar chords. Okay, if I learn a guitar chord every single day, I will be done with this book when I'm 173 years old. Wow. And so what I what I teach in the uh in my in my classes is no, you don't need to learn all those chords. What you need to learn are chord shapes. Mm. And shapes that you can move up and down the neck. Where one one little chord shape, for example, you play your D chord, you play your G chord, your little triangular shaped G chord. Mm-hmm. That's just not a G chord. That's twelve different chords. Mm. And what I mean by that, if you play a G chord, the little triangle there, I call it the triangle chord. Mm-hmm. And if you move that triangle up towards the sound hole, you're playing G sharp again. A, B flat. Mm-hmm. Not touching the fourth string. Pardon me? Not touching the fourth string. Yeah, I'm not string. touching the fourth string. So um, just just to take a little break so people know what's going on, we are in the middle of nowhere, but uh, we've come across a wild garbage truck. No, it's not. We are actively recycling right now. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. A wild recycling truck. It's taking the recycling so that we have less garbage in the ground and wherever else it goes. Into the, Keep it out of the Ashokan Reservoir. Keep the pizza good in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't mind... Don't mind that. It's it's just part of life. <laughs> so back to the so, chords. So so what? So basically, I, I I teach people that no, you don't you don't need to learn. Here's a G. Here's a G sharp. If you were to go to your typical ukulele chord book and look up G sharp, it's not a fun chord to play. Mm. You're, you're you're moving your finger. 
But if you use these little shapes, these little generic shapes that you can move up and down the mm -hmm. fingerboard, you don't have to work that hard. Mm. I, I really try to emphasize the fact that this this music stuff's not that hard. Mm -hmm. You should really have a fun time playing yeah. it. And there is a way of making it easier. Mm -hmm. And these movable chords are the way to do it. You could, uh, By adopting these musical chords, you could play in any chord. If someone says, hey, let's play You Are My Sunshine in the key of A flat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no <Stop>. problem. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I, I would just drop all the strings. Right. But... You know, it takes, a typical, it takes some extra work. A typical Tuesday night ukulele group that meets at the pizza parlor, mm -hmm. if someone says, let's play You Are My Sunshine in the key of A-flat, everyone would pack up their ukes and go home. <laughs> but by, by, by Why using, did you show up? <laughs> <laughs> by using these simple little shapes, you could play mm -hmm. in any key yeah. easily without even thinking about it mm. or thinking a little bit. <laughs> yeah, to think a little. I love that um, you're also throwing in kind of secretly that you don't need to strum all four yes. strings all the time. Everyone thinks, not everyone, a lot of people lot think of people. that just because you have four strings, you have to, you have to strum them all the time. Mm -hmm. No, you don't. You can, many times you can say much more with two notes than you can say with four notes. Mm. Here's, there's your G chord, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need to strum all those. If mm -hmm. you just play strings one and two. Yeah. And then you play strings two and three. And just so you know, he's not moving his uh, fretted hand, and it sounds different. <laughs> yeah, I love the tasteful variation yeah, that you, that gives you. And, and, and again, you don't have to think about it. All you have to do is just make the chord shape and just play one or two of the mm -hmm. uh, strings. People should really sit home and mess, mess around with the chord shapes. Mm. A person will say, I already know how to play the G chord. Mm -hmm. Well, have you really explored the G chord? Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know how to strum the G chord, but there's much more to that G chord than strumming it. Mm. There's, there's four different notes there that you can use mm -hmm. in different... Maybe you want this sound. I'm not moving my left hand. I'm doing mm -hmm. it all by selectively picking which string mm -hmm. to pluck. So people say, which string should I pluck? Pick Fig one. Figure it out. Sit <laughs> on your couch. Just and, try it. And you'll know what sounds good. Trust mm -hmm. yourself as a musician. Mm. We've been listening to music our whole lives. Mm -hmm. We know what it's supposed to sound like. Mm. And if you just relax, play the chords, and just trust your ear. Yeah. We all are artists. We all are musicians. Mm -hmm. Just let yourself be one. You know? Yeah, I love that because um, we like just like you said, we know it sounds good. Maybe we don't know how to get there, and that's probably where a lot of people get the disconnect of like which fingers. And it's like you just try it, and then I find if you can do that, if you can just try it and discover it for yourself, it just sticks with you more, mm -hmm. and then you just know it better. Oh man, that's good. That's There's good stuff. Uh, famous uh, ukulele player is no longer with us. Lyle Ritz. Mm -hmm. Lyle Ritz is. Uh, from the West Coast. Uh, not only was he a famous ukulele player, but he was well-known as a studio musician in Los Angeles, part of the Wrecking Crew. Mm -hmm. The Wrecking Crew in Los Angeles was this elite group of studio musicians who recorded with everyone. Mm. They recorded with the Beach Boys, Frank Sinatra, Barbara Streisand, the Monkees, mm. you know, who, whatever band needed... Uh, Decent studio musicians, mm -hmm. this, the Wrecking Crew did all the work for them. Yeah. And Lyle was a bass player. 
with the uh, wrecking crew. Mm-hmm. And but before he before he did that, he put out a couple of ukulele albums just for fun in the nineteen fifties. And uh, they were a big hit, big mm-hmm. hit in Hawaii, because all of a sudden he was playing jazz on the ukulele. Mm. But Lyle was always a proponent of just noodle around. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're home sitting on the couch and you're watching TV, it, it doesn't take that much effort or mind <laughs> to watch TV. Sit, watch TV with your uke in your hand, and you just kind of noodle around on the mm-hmm. instrument. Put a finger down there, and does that sound good if I put this finger down? Well, no, it doesn't. Okay, maybe if I move it up one more fret, it'll sound good. Mm-hmm. But just experimenting and not being stuck looking at the page and playing the correct notes. Mm-hmm. You learn much more by just noodling around and learning what the instrument can do. Mm. And you'll teach yourself. Yeah, definitely. They. Um, let me see if I can remember. <laughs> I am, something is coming to mind from Lyle Ritz. He called it the art of the noodle. Have you mm-hmm. heard that before? It's like when you get a song and uh, or some creative idea and it came about from just noodling around. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're you're making something from nothing and you're just letting the sound and your fingers just guide you. Yeah, and then 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 songs will reveal themselves mm-hmm. to you. You know, if you're just, if you're just noodling around, all of a sudden you'll play a couple notes and you go, "Wow, those two notes remind me of this song." Mm. And then you'll go off on that tangent, start mm-hmm. working on that song. The other night I was sitting around my house. It was a beautiful spring night. I was looking out the window. We had this. When we look out our back window at our house, we have a beautiful forest behind us. So mm. just watching springtime come to the forest, I was just staring out the window, just noodling around on the uke. And after a couple of minutes, I said, whoa, you're playing the song, There's No Business Like Show Business. Mm. <laughs> I, I have no <laughs> idea how that came into my mind. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with the trees mm-hmm. <laughs> in springtime. But just by noodling around, I started playing some of the melody notes mm-hmm. from that song. I, I didn't sit down thinking I'm going to work on that song. Mm-hmm. It just came to me. It's after lunchtime. Lunch bell. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ashokan is also famous for their good food. Mm. Oh, come, come to any of the camps here at Ashokan. The food is really good. Okay, so we're going to have to hurry up. Yes. No, well, <laughs> well, we have an hour and a half to eat lunch, oh, and okay. they never run out of food. Don't worry. This mm. is the Catskills. There's always food here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So I, I, I didn't uh, plan on figuring out that song. It just mm-hmm. it just happened because I, I let myself relax and noodle around with the mm. instrument. That's great. So, listener, you need to noodle more. Just noodle. It's okay. <laughs> I feel like sometimes people get the impression, at least I do, um, where if you're playing like ineffective practice, have you heard that? Like, there's effective practice where you're focusing 100%, and then there's practice where it's like, it's not as effective. Have you heard that before? Where it's like, it's not yeah. as good as it could be. Or Well, there's a tendency when people practice, especially if they're working on something really hard, like say say they're in a band or they're in a duo or a trio, and they know that they have to perform this specific song on Friday mm-hmm. night. Yeah, they will work really hard on that mm-hmm. song. So that's that's because it's game time. Yeah, yeah, it's game time. You got you're going to be on stage Friday night at eight o'clock. You better mm-hmm. get that song down. Yeah. So uh, that's that's not ineffective practice. What was the what was the term you used? Oh, there, well, there's effective practice and there's ineffective practice. Oh, so with ineffective practice, I think what I what I'm picturing it as. You're, learn- you're working on a really hard song that you want to get out the door by 8 o'clock on Friday. Mm-hmm. And it's not fun. 
mm-hmm. some reason you're not having fun. So then you just start playing stuff that's fun. Mm-hmm. You just start oh, okay spacing out. I haven't I haven't been getting any rewards from playing this one <laughs> song that I got to do on Friday. So I'll just play that other song that's fun to play. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's ineffective practice. Yeah. I don't know. But that song gets better. The, the yeah. one you yeah. the one you enjoy, and then you don't give up on music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That would be a big jump. Uh, I have a gig. I can't play this song. I give up. <laughs> right. Sell all my instruments. Um, so speaking of studio musicians and recording, you have a lot of albums, right? Yes. CDs. CDs. Not okay. no, no vinyl. Oh, no vinyl yet. No. Are you going for any vinyl? I don't know. You know, I'm a baby boomer, and, and I had a ton of vinyl when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I got tired of dragging it around everywhere. Those things wait. They do. And, and they take up a lot of room in mm-hmm. your house so i got rid of all my vinyl mm. 10 15 years ago thinking that cds are here forever <laughs> you know <laughs> well cassettes are back in now you know, oh yeah that's that's definitely confusing to me why why cassettes i don't know but yeah i have like uh six or seven solo cds out awesome. uh, one of them is a, a solo guitar cd mm-hmm. and six of them are ukulele cds okay and they're 100 percent instrumental Mm-hmm. I'm not a I'm not a singer. Mm. You know, I I could I could fake my way through a song singing it and, and mm-hmm. to uneducated ears it's not offensive. But I'm not known as a <laughs> singer. So I've spent my life working on my instrumental skills. Mm-hmm. So all of my CDs are instrumental CDs. Mm. That's awesome. I I definitely admire that. I I struggle when it comes to creating instrumental parts. Um I was a vocal major in college, and I've been in choirs for forever. So mm-hmm. a lot of my creativity is from singing. So when it comes to like playing melodies, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can follow the page, and I can noodle, but then does it sound good? I don't know. Well, that's one of the things that's different about the Ashokan Fest. As, uh, what we try to emphasize here, uh, and I, this is my seventh year doing the uh, Ashokan Uke Fest. Uh, it started seven years ago, and... Like I said, when I started here at Ashokan, I, was, I came here for Western and Swing Week, and I got to mm. know Jay and Molly, Jay Unger and Molly Mason. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple years after I was here, Molly came up to me says, and said to me, uh, we've got to talk at lunch. And I said, oh, Uh-oh, no, you're in trouble. what did I do wrong? <laughs> and I'm thinking back, okay, what – when I said that one thing to a person, did I offend them? You know, <laughs> I'm thinking, of what did I do wrong? When she says, we have to talk at lunch. So I went to lunch waiting to hear something bad. And Molly said, you know, we're thinking of having a ukulele festival here. Mm. And we'd like you to work on it and run the festival. Mm-hmm. And I said, it sounds like a good idea. But we talked for two years. And, mm. you know, we thought about it for one year, and then I came back for Western Swing Week, and mm-hmm. we talked again at lunch. <laughs> and then, you know, after after a year, we said, "Okay, let's give it a try. Let's mm. let's try it one year and see if it works." And we tried it, and now we're in our seventh year, and nice. it's been successful. But the one thing that I always wanted to emphasize here at the Ashokan Uke Fest, which you don't see, you see it somewhat at other festivals, but not a hundred percent. What we try to emphasize here is instrumental skills. Hmm. How to get better on your instrument, how to make your songs. If you're playing a blues song, how to make your songs sound like blues. Hmm. If you're playing jazz, how do you make you, you can't use the same chords when you're playing jazz. Mm-hmm. If if you if you use your basic chords playing jazz, it's gonna sound like hmm. folk music. Yeah. <laughs> playing uh, on Green Dolphin Street. And mm-hmm. No, it just doesn't work. So what we try, what, the, the teachers that I hire and teachers and entertainers that I hire, 
uh, I try to hire more instrumentalists, people who are good on their instruments as opposed to singer-songwriter types, mm. people who are into songwriting. Mm -hmm. We don't we don't have songwriting workshops here. Mm. Okay. Where other camps, they, they will other camps will emphasize the singer-songwriter mm -hmm. part of the ukulele yeah. worlds. So that's fine. If, if, if that's their strength, fine. Mm -hmm. They could do it. But so what what I've tried to mold here is more get better on your instrument. Mm. If you're a singer-songwriter, this will help you. This mm -hmm. will make your the songs you write sound better. Oh, that's great. Because we're teaching you new chords, new ways of playing. Nice. Sounds like something I need to do. <laughs> I was I got this idea, maybe you can call it player songwriter workshops. Because mm -hmm. you have seven albums where you're just playing instrumental, so you definitely know what you're doing. Um what what kind of genres do you have you covered in all those albums? Are Everything. they all the same? Uh, no, no, uh, I I have such a short attention span. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll be playing I'll be sitting home and I'll be playing a swing tune mm -hmm. and then I'll turn on the radio, and then a fiddle tune would come on the radio. <laughs> oh, I know that fiddle tune. Squirrel. I'll, yeah, and I'll start playing. <laughs> I'll start playing the fiddle tune for an mm -hmm. hour. Then, then uh, I'll think about a polka. Mm. Maybe I could add a polka here, or, mm -hmm. and then I'll go into uh, bossa nova music. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm pretty scattered when it comes to my attention span. Mm -hmm. And I know what and, that's like. <laughs> but it's fun because I've over the years. Uh, I've learned how to play, how to fake many different styles mm -hmm. of music, which, you know, for, when I was a younger musician, uh, I was in bands that did a lot of weddings. Mm -hmm. And wedding, you know, weddings back then are different than weddings now. Mm. You know, you do a wedding in the 1960s or 1970s. Now, I never worked in the 60s. I was too young. But you do a wedding in the 70s and... You have to be able to play the songs from the 20s and 30s, and mm. then you have to be able to play some ethnic music for the old timers, the old, mm -hmm. the old grandmothers and grandfathers who want to hear a song from the old country. So yeah. you, you gotta, you know, you gotta be able to fake ethnic music. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, this this song can either be an Italian song, a Greek song, or a Jewish song. You Which know, all <laughs> put a bunch of minor chords in it. <laughs> uh, everyone will be satisfied. Yeah, there you go. That's but perfect. no, there's there's differences in ethnic music. But by having a, a, a mindset where I like those different kinds of music, mm -hmm. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. That's <laughs> okay. Just, yeah. you know, ukulele. <laughs> so uh, we're talking about ukulele. You have a lovely ukulele. Um, could you talk about what what is that? It looks gorgeous. Is that like Coco Bolo? No, this is this is the, the uke I'm playing here, uh, and you folks can look it up online. It's it's uh, the name of the company is Hive, like okay. Beehive, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a one person company. A, mm. a guy named Jake McClay makes these ukuleles, mm -hmm. and uh, he uh, used to work for Compass Rose, uh, Rick Turner. Okay. Out in California, Rick Turner is a famous uh, guitar builder. Mm -hmm. Built a lot of rock guitars for famous rock guitars. Mm. Eric Clapton, uh, Jerry Garcia mm -hmm. played uh, Rick Turner guitars. So Jake worked for Rick Turner. Mm. Rick Turner also put out ukuleles, oh, and, and okay. Jake built a lot of the ukuleles for Rick for a number of years. Then he moved back east mm -hmm. to be near his uh, extended family, and now he's based in West Virginia, and he makes around. 15, 20 ukuleles a year. They're all custom made. You can't mm. find these in stores. Okay. And so it's a tenor ukulele. It's got an Adirondack spruce top mm. right from this area nice. around here. Yeah. Uh, it's got on the it's got rosewood oh, uh, okay. rosewood sides and back. Yeah. Uh, legal rosewood. 
Okay. Uh, there's the whole thing with Rosewood yeah. going on now. This is this is legal. <laughs> uh, it's got tell. And, sound port and a sound port on the side, which I like, mm-hmm. especially when I'm playing at home because it kind of this little sound port. Is on, it's a hole, an oval-shaped hole on the side of the uke facing up towards your face mm-hmm. as you're playing. And it's like a little speaker that yeah. broadcasts the sound mm. up into your ear. Yeah, very nice. Um, I, I have students who they try to turn the, the ukulele, and I, oh, yeah. I tell them I want the sound to shoot forward, not up your nose. But with the sound part, you, know, you can still get it, and your wrist is still straight. Yes. It's kind of nice. It sounds better. It yeah. sounds better when it's angled. If you look at uh, the Count Basie Orchestra back in the 30s and 40s, Freddie Green mm-hmm. was the acoustic guitar player with Count Basie. He played a big archtop guitar. Mm-hmm. And if, if you look at pictures from back then, he's got it angled up almost. Yeah. It almost looks like a table in front mm-hmm. of him, the way he has it <laughs> angled up. Mm-hmm. And But he got these sounds. And, mm-hmm. and I think he did that because... He was playing with all these horns, you know, uh, hmm. trumpets and saxophones. They're a lot louder than a guitar. Mm-hmm. And by angling it up towards him, he could actually hear what he was doing yeah. in that big band setting. And he was not amplified. Never, right? so never it's like, used an amp. You got to do that. But you listen to those recordings, even though he wasn't amplified, you can hear him in those recordings. Mm-hmm. He's the pulse of that band. Yeah. I wonder what it would be like if he had a sound port. Because <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like a, an old thing. It seems like a pretty new thing. In terms of uh, instrument making, yeah, there, there's these fads in instrument making. Uh, you know, now everyone's going for sound ports. Other, I've another fad I've noticed is slotted headstocks. Mm-hmm. People, on, everyone wants slotted headstocks on their uke now. Why? It's better because it's not because it costs it's, more. It's better <laughs> now. It's kind of cool looking. Everyone, yeah. but back when I was growing up, no one wanted slotted headstocks. Mm. Everyone thought they were old fashioned looking. They wanted ah, okay, unless you were in the classical guitar world, mm-hmm. then you of course you use a slotted headstock. But yeah. slotted headstocks, they're fun and everything, but it, it's a pain to change strings on them. It's not. Yeah, I've heard the angle is, and it's kind of like uh, there's some slotted headstocks I love the look of, and there's others where it's like uh, I think it's kind of gross. But there's also zero fret, and then uh, the, the bridge uh, pins. It's yeah. kind of all these little things. Like how much of a difference does it make? Is it easy to tell? Well, because it's all like there's all these factors to go into. You can tell with your ear, kind of. But mm-hmm. then there's other things like the wood is definitely not the same on two different ukes with right. with a slotted or not slotted. But uh, so so what do you think about all these? All these things—they're—they're just—they're—they're they're fads, mm-hmm. you know. And and some things, some things definitely add to the sound. The sound port definitely does something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, the fingerboard I have an I have an ebony fingerboard on this uke. Mm-hmm. It's a tenor. It's a tenor uke, and my fingerboard is radius. Okay, yeah. I have a radius fingerboard on my uke. Um, which is very similar to what you'd find on a violin or on an electric guitar or mm-hmm. on a, a dreadnought guitar or acoustic guitar, where the string or the the fingerboard is ang- uh, a little curved, arch, a yeah. little curve to it. Yeah, I like that because it, it, for my hands, it feels more comfortable. Mm. I don't want to work that hard. I don't want to hurt when I'm playing music. <laughs> I, uh, so by having a, a radius fingerboard, mm-hmm. it makes it, it doesn't hurt my hand, mm. and it makes some things a lot easier. Yeah. Where traditionally in the ukulele world, it's a flat fingerboard, just mm-hmm. like on a classical guitar. Yeah, and there are some people, there are m- religious debates in the <laughs> ukulele world, and in any in any world, mm-hmm. in the motorcycle world, I'm sure there are religious debates about how things radius should be. fingerboard. No, I'm, I'm just talking about any <laughs> any special mean. any special interest group yeah. and what they what they like, but and 
but in the ukulele, there are some religious debates that people just go on forever about mm -hmm. whether or not you should use a strap. Mm. That's a big religious <laughs> debate. There are people who say you, sh uh, you should never. never use a strap with a ukulele. <laughs> never. They use words like never and always. Mm -hmm. where, or, or they would say you should never use a capo on a ukulele. I use capos all the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't use it because I... I don't use it because I don't know how to play those chords. Mm -hmm. I use a capo for tone reasons. Mm. You take a capo on a ukulele and you put it up on the fifth fret, and all of a sudden you get this nice little music box kind mm. of sound. It, it sounds like these little bells mm -hmm. from heaven, you know? Yeah. And you can't do that unless you have a capo. Mm -hmm. And I use a strap all the time, even when I'm sitting down. Mm -hmm. a straps aren't just for playing standing up. Yeah. Straps are used for stability. So if you have a strap when you're sitting down or standing up, you're not wasting all your energy trying mm -hmm. to keep this thing, this uke, from hitting the floor by mm -hmm. pressing it against your chest as hard as you can. Mm. The strap does the work for you. Yeah. I, I was talking to Paul Hemmings about that, and he was just saying, kind of like with uh, the advice I heard when I played guitar, it's just like the strap holds it in the same position so that when you're standing or sitting, your hands are in the same place. So it's just easier to... Because uh, if too many things change when you stand up or you sit down, it's, mm -hmm. it's harder to do exactly the same thing. Um, I notice I like playing without a strap, but some things I want to play, I can't do it unless I have a strap because right. I, I'm using too much energy to hold it at the same time. So it's like either way is fine. Yeah, people. Uh, <laughs> a lot of times people, when they're starting out and they don't have a strap, they will – they will grip the ukulele very hard with mm -hmm. their left hand. They'll, they'll form this little U between mm -hmm. their thumb and their index finger, and they'll let the ukulele – I'm talking left hand. They'll mm -hmm. let their ukulele sit inside that U. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, you're locking your hand into position. You can't move your hand. Mm -hmm. And the only reason you're really holding the uke that way is because you don't have a strap. Mm -hmm. If you had a strap, you wouldn't have to hold the uke. It'd be like lighter, that. yeah. You'd, your hands would be lighter and freer to move. Mm. So, that's But true. again, that's a religious debate. There are some people, if they see you with a strap, you know, mm -hmm. they're very tight-minded people. Yeah. Tight other things as well, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like what you said about the capo too because most of the time, my preference is try not to rely on the capo because of the the sound of the ukulele. Like, uh, I use a capo to find a key quickly that's good for my voice. And then I'll say, okay, this is F and I'm playing a C shape, right, with the mm -hmm. fifth fret. So let's just try an F without the capo, a normal, and that's a pretty easy key to play in. But... The consideration I, I haven't even touched yet um, is when you put the capo up, it's like you said, it changes the tone, and you might want that sometimes. Right. Most of the time, I don't, but sometimes it's really nice. But it's nice It's nice if, say, say you're in a duo. Say mm -hmm. you, 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 you and a person, you have a little act, it's a duo, if, and you're playing a song, and if both of you are playing the same shapes of the chord, mm -hmm. the song has, here's... Mm -hmm. F, B, if, flat, if both, C. If, if both of you are playing those same chord shapes, why? Why? Why should you, <laughs> let let one, one of you should play that chord shape? The mm -hmm. other one, then you put a capo on the third fret and play mm -hmm. the same chords but using different shapes. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you get a stereo type of sound. It widens out mm -hmm. the music. You know, if one person is playing an F note. That person's got the F note covered. Mm -hmm. Why should you play that F note? 
they they've got it down already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of guitarists do that too. They just I'm, I I want to play C, but this song's not in C, so I'm gonna put a capo on. Okay, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of their riffs and licks, they just work. Right, it's, it's pretty perfect. So it, it's a tool. It's I don't. It's not a crutch. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people laugh at capos. I just see it as another tool mm-hmm. in your tool belt. Mm. Do you notice the difference between guitar capos and ukulele capos? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they both do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, the U capos. I use a, a capo made by uh, the Planet Waves company, mm-hmm. Diodario Planet Waves, same company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they make a, a little ukulele capo out of like Air Force, not Air Force, Air Aircraft Aluminum. Air, aircraft Aluminum. Okay. And the thing weighs nothing. Mm. I, I'm amazed that it doesn't blow away when I put mm-hmm. it on a table. But and and it, it's it's lightweight. It does the job. Mm-hmm. It, it's not. Some of these capos look like you know a fender off of a '57 uh, Chevy. You know the. <laughs> They, yeah, that reminds me of the the fattener, I think it's called. It's something you clamp onto the headstock oh, yeah. of your guitar yeah. to make it the fat fatter. Finger. Yeah, the fat finger. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why would you want it heavier? That's interesting. So, yeah, yeah I, I like that capo. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I know some of them. It's a tool. Some of them, uh, they don't hold down all the strings no, the, evenly, so it's like you got to the, 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 try them the out. The Planet Wave ones are very nice. They, they, it costs around 10 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so, we do have to wrap it up. Okay. Uh, but what... I wanted to ask you, what are the strings that you like right now? Because they might change. Maybe you have one set you always I, yeah, use. Well, I, I change strings. I mean, I change string brands every couple of years. I mm-hmm. think, eh, I'm tired of these strings. Let's see what mm-hmm. these ones, let's see what these sound like. Yeah. But uh, for the last five, six years, what I've been using uh, for my first, second, and third string, uh, I use fluorocarbon strings not mm-hmm. that's not a brand name it's just a material so strings made out of fluorocarbon brand and i use either oasis brand fluorocarbon mm-hmm. you know like midnight at the oasis mm-hmm. uh or living Waters strings okay. living waters are a friend of mine ken middleton puts from those england? out from england yeah. yeah he puts out a good set of strings mm-hmm. so i use i use fluorocarbon strings on uh first second and third and in the past two years i've switched over uh, this uke to a low G, mm. and for a low G, I use uh, a wound low G, like on a mm-hmm. guitar. Uh, I made by the Fremont Company. Oh, okay. And what I use is they have a polished string. Yeah. I polished. What it means is that it, there's no you, squeak. There's no squeak. None of those squeaks you get mm-hmm. from uh, wound strings. Hand movement. Mm-hmm. And so I either use a Fremont squeakless fourth mm-hmm. ukulele string if i can't find those anywhere i'll get a diodario classical guitar uh g or d g, i think i'm kind of g or d i'm not sure i think it's probably a g no a d i, I think I it's like a it's d, d string mm-hmm. yeah it's and I'll, I'll get a diodario uh classical guitar classical guitar mm. polished they call it polished their okay. squeakless string is called a polished mm. string and it gets a little expensive i mean a, a, a set of uh, oasis costs eight bucks mm-hmm. and then I, I throw away the four string i'm not yeah. using i'm not used so i'm so i'm losing that and then i'll buy the extra string and the ex, mm-hmm. the low the, the four string will cost me five or six bucks mm. so a set of strings will cost me 13 bucks still 
I mean, but for the tone, for the tone, and how you know, I I change strings probably four or five times a year. Hmm. So if I okay. invest sixty dollars a year in strings, it's not so bad. It's deductible too. It is a consumable. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's part of it's part of my operating it's, expenses. It's, right, it's making you money. I yeah, I've fallen in love recently with those those wound ones. I go back and forth all the time between different brands. I really like the wound C these days, mm-hmm. polished wound C. Um, I don't know which one I have now. It's like Oasis Thomas Stick. And uh, Fremont, they make them. Yeah, um, it's really cool. Taking the the guitar string too, it's like it's way too long, but it works so well. Right. Nice. So Gerald, uh, it's been awesome talking to you. Um, what do you have coming up that you want people to know about? Well, uh, I've got a number of ukulele festivals and music festivals that I'm going to be playing over the summer and into the fall. I mostly work during the the warm weather months mm-hmm. when there are outdoor festivals and retreats, things like that. Flip flop weather. Yeah. Yeah. In the wintertime, I'll have a couple gigs, but not much. But coming up uh, in June, I'll be in Tennessee at Steve Kaufman's Acoustic Camp. Cool. And that is not a a dedicated U camp. uh, I think it started out as a bluegrass camp. But they, again, it's another one of these camps where they emphasize the instrumental skills as opposed to uh, singing and songwriting. And Mm -hmm. guitar, banjo, mandolin, fiddle. I'm mm-hmm. teaching ukulele there. Mm, nice. And so and then uh, in July, I'm heading out to the Durango Ukulele Festival in Durango, cool. Colorado, in the middle of the mountains. That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. August, I'm back here on the East Coast for the New Jersey Ukulele Festival. Oh, nice. Okay. In Whippany, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And then uh, September, I have, I'll be in Colorado for the Hawaiian Steel Guitar Association Festival. Mm. I are, play, you, are you sneaking an uke in there? Yeah, I, uh, okay. I'll, I'll have a set on stage where I play both uke nice. and uh, steel guitar. Then I'm playing in Canada at the Royal Royal City Ukulele Festival in yep. Guelph, Guelph, Ontario. Shout out to Cynthia. Yeah, Woo. yeah, Cynthia, and and the town is actually pronounced Guelph. Yeah, just like it's just like it's <laughs> on paper. Tropical I, I, city. I was always of nervous about that. How do you actually pronounce the name of this town? Gooey Elp. Is the G? Maybe the G silence. You know. Could be. I don't and know. And then I end up my warm weather season. This is cool at the Palm Springs Ukulele Festival. Oh, nice. Outside of uh, Los Angeles, they it's in some hotel in Palm Springs, and mm-hmm. I've never been there before. That's one of the cool things about uh, being a traveling musician. When mm-hmm. I was growing up, you know. I grew up with a mother and father and three brothers. We mm-hmm. had six people in our family. Wow. We didn't go on many vacations. Mm-hmm. That's expensive to move six people around. So mm-hmm. when I was a kid, we didn't we didn't go on many vacations. And now I'm making up for lost time. Mm, nice. Because all of these festivals take me to places in the world that I've never been before. That's awesome. And I feel very fortunate because of that. Cool. Well, thanks for hanging out with me, Gerald. Thank you. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that. What are you doing today while listening to the show? I'd love to hear from you. You can send a note straight from the feedback link in the show notes. And if you enjoy the show, share the aloha and tell a friend about it. You can also leave a review on iTunes to help others find the show. We've got two new reviews. Uke Jen from the USA says, I enjoy Abe's podcast about ukulele. He has a human touch and makes the listener feel right at home with his guests. I love the focus on teaching. Thank you so much, Ukjen. As a teacher and a player, I have a passion to help others do well in those areas, so I very much appreciate your kind words. And the next review is from someone in Great 
Britain, whose name I can't quite pronounce. It's S-H-D-D-F-H-G-D-D. Um, anyway, this person says, For full immersion into the Ook world, this is the one. Thank you so much, and hello to you all the way in Great Britain. It is so lovely to hear from you and to know how far this show is going out into the world, and I'm so glad you're enjoying it. Welp, that's it for this episode. As always, thank you for joining me, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Aloha! Aloha!